Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I am your host, Liz Fiddler. And today we are actually going to be doing a bloom and grow episode. It has been months, literally probably four or five months since we have done a bloom and grow episode. And I have a little bit of an announcement to go with that. If you remember when Abby and I first started this podcast, or I started the podcast and Abby was producing it, we kind of thought, okay, let's see how it goes with the cut flowers and, you know, let's do these bonus bloom and grow episodes. And obviously you can really only focus on one thing at a time. And we have decided we didn't want to uh, make any rules about how things were going to go at the very beginning, but we have decided it is time. The Sunny Mary Meadow podcast right now is at 49,000 downloads. We will hit 50,000 downloads in under nine months. And we are going to break off into a second podcast completely. So there will be the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast with growing cut flowers, selling cut flowers, everything. But Bloom and Grow is going to have its own podcast. So if you click the episode, if you click the link in the episode, it brings you right to the Bloom and Grow podcast. All there is is a trailer there. And the episodes will start coming out weekly. And this one will get carried over there. We're going to move all of the existing Bloom and Grow episodes to that podcast. And then every single Thursday, a new one will come out. And they're going to be a lot more similar to the interview that we're about to do. There will still be some monologues by myself, but there will be a lot of interviews with people that have grown through their grief and, you know, put intentionality toward their healing and, you know, it's a little bit of inspiration, but also just a lot more relatable and helping people just understand what things are. But I'm really excited for this Bloom and Grow episode with my good friend Ty. He and I went to college together at South Dakota State. And when we graduated, I ended up going with him to China after after I finished RN school, and he'll talk about it during the podcast, but he used to travel over there for some health reasons. And I um, I went with him. And in a weird turn of events, we have some similar stories in our grief and where life has taken us, but he's definitely someone that I look up to and admire, and he's been a resource to me in ways that you really shouldn't have to be a resource, but here we are. So he's doing some amazing things for a lot of people that probably a lot of people that you know or care about in the state of South Dakota and in the Midwest. And yeah, take a listen. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. And we are actually doing a bloom and grow episode today with my friend, Ty Eschenbaum. So Ty, you want to just say hi? Yeah. Hi everybody! Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on today. Uh, no, it is a long time, and look forward to the conversation. Yeah, so Ty and I could probably go on and on about a lot of bloom and grow topics, but ultimately, I want just to shine a little bit of light on some of his experience with grief. He has definitely been a resource and a mentor to me through my grief, which. Bet you didn't want to add that to your resume, but here we are. And 
he's just someone that I have really looked up to. I've had some really good friends, unfortunately, be way too close to the type of experience that I've gone through. And, you know, you look at those people that they've chosen to keep on living. They've chosen that, you know, they're going to try to continue living a good life and they want to keep living and make others proud. And he just has a really inspiring story. And I knew that I wanted to connect my listeners to him and the amazing cause that he's working towards. So Ty, why don't you just give a little, little background story and just start with whatever, wherever starting point you want to start with. Yeah. Well, it's hard. It's a slippery slope. But at the beginning, uh, I grew up a uh, farm kid, uh, eastern South Dakota, uh, three brothers, pretty typical upbringing that way. Families in the cattle business, town of 500, class of 20. You know, my first experience with, you know, challenges was I was diagnosed with leukemia when I was 15, which kind of snowballed into all kinds of things. I did chemotherapy for two and a half years. And so many side effects came with that. I had you know, multiple staph infections and got the shingles and got addicted to Oxycontin and had a aspergillus fungus grow in my lung that they cut out a couple of times. Ultimately, the chemotherapy induced avascular necrosis, which was really hard on my knees and hips and elbows and was flying across the country for surgeries and uh, ultimately found a hospital in China that I'm going to 17 times over a seven year period and uh, took a lot of people over with me to China, including Liz. Yep. Uh, I went to China with Ty after college. That was pretty cool, but that's a story for another episode. Yeah. That could be a whole podcast in itself, but uh, yeah, pretty wild. Everything that happened during that time. And, you know, I just saw so many kids that were uh, sicker than I was and younger than I was and, and just really opened my eyes to the unfairness of suffering and and being a human being. So I started the Ty Eschenbaum Foundation shortly after that, right out of college in 2011 and started. How old were you at that time? We were like, what, 22? Oh man, yeah, yeah. Sounds all right. 20, uh, born in 87. So whatever that math tracks at. So 24. Okay. So yeah. Started the foundation then. And what was the purpose of the foundation at that time? I had been raising money and taking money to China and, and raising money for causes. And it all stemmed from just, I felt like I was left here for a reason. I mean, you know, I went to a lot of funerals of kids that I got to know really well between, you know, Sioux Falls, Vera McKinnon and uh, St. Mary's Hospital in Rochester, Minnesota. And at 16, 17 years old, that's really hard to understand, um, you know, survivor's guilt on you know, why do I get to still be here? Statistically, a lot of those kids should be here and statistically I should not, but that's not the way that God works. Just felt a really just placed on me a responsibility to try to, you know, live a good life and to help others if I could. I started doing a lot of speaking events when I was still sick. I I did my first K through 12 high school when I was a junior in high school and have basically shared my testimony, shared my story, kind of continuously ever since. And, you know, it always, it's, it's always a humbling reminder how, you know, to me, it's just my story. I, and I don't, I don't feel special. I don't feel like I did anything heroic. I feel like I would just did the best I could with where I was at the time, but it's amazing to me always how other people 
you know, what they get out of it, how, you know, what they take away from it, how it helps them. So I never try to underestimate the value of sharing your story because um, a lot of people out there inspired me, by the way, the stories, you know, not just the, like the story, the stories they tell, but just how people live their life, right? Like people notice. So, mm-hmm. or what, you know, there's, there's times where I'm sharing my story and, you know, they'll say something and I'll be like, well, I don't think that's what I said, but maybe like that's, that's maybe that's not what I initially meant, but if it, if it helps one person, it can make a huge impact and a ripple effect. And if it, if it changes their perspective or promotes understanding or, you know, yeah. maybe you said something offhandedly describing your experience or how you felt during your experience and, you know, someone's like, wow, I have a friend going through leukemia or cancer, or their, their kid is going through cancer. And until you pointed out some of those things, maybe they hadn't thought about it in that depth or that perspective or whatever it might be. So I just think sharing the insights helps and, you know, it's uncomfortable. Like people don't, people want to hear that things are good. Things are great. They don't always want to hear the hard things, but if the hard things, if sharing your hard things can make it easier for the next person that's going through something hard because the people around them understood it better, then it's so worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree 100%. I feel like if I'm asked, I mean, I've drove three and four hours one direction to speak to a fellowship of Christian athletes group of 20. And to me, if, like you said, if one person can take away something or it helps someone, I'm always humbled by, you know, kids or, you know, kids or adults that come up to me afterward that it just something I said or some part of my story, they just, it just really clicked with them. And it's maybe not what I would have thought, but it's always humbling to get to, to get to see that. You know, yeah. And maybe you're not directly helping that person that you were speaking to, or that was in that audience, but maybe you, your perspective gave them the tools to help someone else. And so it just yeah. never know the ripple effect. Okay, so yeah. 2011 started the foundation, and then what, the foundation. what was it doing for those years? Yeah, so kind of just along with you know pursuing my professional career and professional life, and you know moving forward, still doing speaking events constantly, and started the original purpose of my foundation was we raised money for youth cancer survivor scholarships. So kids in the state of South Dakota that are graduating high school, you know, raising money to help them pay for their college hoping to expand into other things, especially, you know, medical expenses, you know, uh, ancillary type medical expenses when kids and families were going through stuff. But with 501c3, you know, especially when you're getting started, it's it's simpler to give to other, you know, directly to other 501c's than it is to get all your, you know, stuff in order to be able to give directly to families. So anyway, that was the goal at the time. And, you know, that's kind of where my story progresses in that, you know, I had met Autumn, who was a love of my life. And we lived on uh, Lake Ponset here in South Dakota. And one day, um, Memorial Weekend in 2019, she was working on her basement and just uh, collapsed. And, you know, I was here and, and she fought. I mean, we got her all the way to the emergency room in Watertown, but she didn't, she didn't make it. I think it was probably a blood clot. And so, you know, all the things that I was preaching about and talking about, about, you know, God being in control and whatever, I basically had to live, live all over again, right? Like 
walk the walk to along with talking the talk, if you will. So that certainly doesn't make it any easier. Uh, you know, it's a whole different level of suffering and grief. You know, I would have gone through a thousand cancer rounds and, you know, physical pain and everything else versus the loss of, of grief of someone that you thought you were going to spend your whole life with and build a life with. But the same tools and concepts about life and the gift of life and, and God's plan, it's all the same stuff, just a whole, a whole deeper level that I had to go and sort out for myself all over again. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously, I mean, I lost my husband, you lost the love of your life while they were exercising, doing something to better themselves. They were doing exactly what you're supposed to in life. And they, for no really reason, you know, passed away. And that's just crazy that we have that similarity in our stories. But I think, I don't know if you said it to me. I mean, after Josh passed away, I remember, I don't know if it was the first night, second night, but I, I think you were expecting my call at two or three in the morning, you were awake and you just answered it. And I just remember, you know, I, I don't really remember the conversation much, obviously, but I remember saying like, how, or, you know, how do I make these decisions or how do I plan the funeral or how I, you know, I can't even remember what I said. Well, I think I told you, I think I might be pregnant. <laughs> and you were like, Okay, I don't really want to be the first person in the world to know this, but okay, I'm like, we'll find out next week. Um, but I remember you saying that you pictured Autumn being like all knowing in that moment, and you said that that helped you, and that is something I've held on to for almost three years. And you know, you were like, I just the things that she was mad about on Earth, not that she was a mad person, but like little, you know, just little things because I'm like, well, I, I don't know, like I. I just feel like I need to do everything that he would want or this or that. And I just remember you saying like, he understands, he can see, he can read your mind now. And he knows, I, I don't even know how you worded it, but it was a very comforting, comforting thing for you to say. And I don't know, you just, you never know. I mean, I'm sure hundreds of people told me things during that initial few days, but that's one thing that I held on to. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a whole deep concept in itself, but, you know, number one, I, I believe that, you know, God knows, right. God knows you're trying. God knows you're doing your best. God knows what you're going through. God knows everything beyond time and space. And, you know, that's, that's the most comforting, but I, you know, I also believe, or maybe I'm hopeful that, you know, our loved ones in, in heaven get to understand that we're doing our best and trying and, and, you know, they're forgiving and and all of the things which I think they are so one other thing that you said that actually just came back to me now that I've I've also held on and you know this is a this is a podcast of inspiration but also a little bit realism and I think we probably can both each say that we are stronger than ever in our faith in fact like like I, I believe in heaven because that's not where I know Josh is and all those things but I remember you saying like you know and I believe I believe that there's a plan and whatever but when I get there, I'm probably going to look God in the eye and say, well, your plan kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember you saying that to me. I'm like, yeah, it's okay to think that. Like, this I've, told him, I've, told him, I've told him that before. Like, yeah. I don't understand. You You know, I'm uh, yeah. just a simple. Are you sure? I mean, I'm not questioning it, but yeah. I don't yeah. like it. It's okay think, to say that. I think without giving up an ounce of faith that I can tell God that it's, I don't, I don't appreciate the way this has to go. And I yep. think he understands. 
yeah, I, I do too. But I've so, had a lot of, I've had a lot of, you know, profound people that I've got to talk to. And like you said, you get little, little nuggets of something that somebody says that helps connect mm-hmm. far reaches of your brain on topics you had and kind yeah. of bring them together. But, you know, one of those on that line is like, um, you know, God could be right in front of you and tell you, you know, and you wouldn't believe him or wouldn't fully understand or wouldn't, you know, would ask him if he could do us another way anyway. Right. So yep, exactly. Um, I've, I don't know. I've found just, um, I've found so much comfort. I mean, I, I get so much comfort and, and happiness in my life when you just, when you just surrender completely right? When you stop trying to figure it out, when you stop trying to understand why, when you, if you just like, God knows God's in control, life is short, like it's going to be all right in the end. Like if you can wash everything else away and just, you know, completely surrender to that fact and believe in that fact, it just, life can become beautiful again. So then how, you know, just the timeline so how autumn fits into the foundation and Calder, which we'll get to that in a second, but was it right yeah. after autumn or was it after Calder? And you could talk about Calder. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with autumn. So, you know, autumn passed away and, you know, she knew so many people and just such an amazing person. We could talk about that forever, but uh, on the foundation side, just an outpouring of people. And I felt that, you know, my responsibility to, well, you know, I wanted to, right, to remember Autumn and remember everything that Autumn taught me. Because after everything that I'd been through, I thought I knew a lot about faith and gratefulness and how you should live your life. And that girl taught me so many things that I didn't, I didn't know or thought I knew. And so, and, and I firmly believe she was put on the earth. I mean, she was put on the earth to be a mother, you know, or obviously not, not to be, but just with kids and our nieces and nephews and and whatnot, she was just, kids were just drawn to her. So we took Autumn's memorial money and and have continued to fundraise, but uh, we raised money for Make-A-Wish, Make-A-Wish kids. So they're, they're Autumn's Make-A-Wish kids. And between the endowment within the foundation and then a life insurance policy on me personally, so somewhere to happen to me tomorrow, Autumn will have Wish kids forever. And long after I'm gone, foundation will be set up to pay for wishes for wish kids in autumn's honor forever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So childhood cancer kids make wish kids. I was a make a wish kid, you know, so there's a connection there. I've stayed What'd you do for your wish? Uh, Disney world, you know, real original, like everybody else, but, yeah. uh, it's amazing. It's, you know, when I talk about Make-A-Wish, it's like, we didn't even know we needed to get away, right? It wasn't until we were on the trip and didn't have doctor visits and didn't have appointments and didn't, my parents weren't worried about what everything costs when we were there. Like, it's just such a weight. I mean, that's that's part of the reason I say so plugged in with Make-A-Wish. It's just, I know firsthand when they say, you know, I mean, you know, how much healing and how much physical and mental healing happens on trips like that and bonding as a family and anyway i've just i've seen it firsthand so okay we're going to take a quick break and i am going to tell you all about my other podcast bloom and grow with liz fiddler in the early days of the sunny mary meadow podcast we had bonus bloom and grow episodes where i shared some personal insights in my experience with love and loss and grief 
And ultimately, we decided it needed its own podcast. So you can click the link in the episode, this very episode, and hit the subscribe button so that you get alerts when new episodes come out. The Bloom and Grow podcast with Liz Fidler is where we share stories of those who have grown through grief and break down barriers that isolate us in those challenging parts of our lives. We know that time doesn't heal, but intention does. And the weight of grief doesn't get any lighter, but we can get better at carrying it. This podcast isn't just for those going through something sad or difficult, but also for those who know someone who is by sharing tips and perspectives in how to be a better support for your loved ones that are grieving. If you're interested in hearing more, click the link in this episode's notes so that you can subscribe and check it out. And thank you so much for blooming and growing with us. So the third pillar of the foundation Yep. The third pillar of the foundation is, so I'm one of four boys, uh, three brothers, and we lost my youngest brother Calder two years ago last month. So in October of 2021, uh, we lost Calder unexpectedly. He was 28 years old at the time. And, you know, he was the other redhead in the middle that we were, you know, close enough in age that, you know, he was the brother that I tried to make a better version of myself, you know, by, Everything that I thought I'd learned or failed upon in my life, I tried to make sure that he didn't make the same mistakes, but very close. Uh, Calder was actually at my house the day that Autumn collapsed and was here for me and and lived with me for a year after that, um, you know, roommates, housemates, if you will. So uh, super close with Calder, as unexpected as, the, as Autumn. Uh, probably, you could arguably two of the very, very closest people in, you know, in my life to me are no longer here. You know, the amount of times that just Autumn Calder and I would go to supper or go to a football game or go, you know, do something together. You know, the two people I spent more time with than anybody. So in Calder's honor, we fund missionary work. And that's kind of a big umbrella of we're trying to figure out exactly. And we funded some, a family that we know close that, you know, kind of sold everything and became full-time missionaries. But we're finding a lot of great organizations within South Dakota, within the U.S., you know, not just globally, but, you know, Bibles, full-time missionaries, part-time trips, whatever. We want to fund people that are out spreading the gospel. So the gala is coming up. You say gala or gala? Gala. I say gala. I say gala. <laughs> I actually did a TV interview last week out of Sioux Falls, and the interviewer said uh gala or gala maybe yeah I, I don't know i don't know i repeated it back i said it and then i was like oh why did i do that <laughs> yeah and i i don't know and then i was talking to well i told you i was talking to my book publisher this morning and i was like you know and cut flower farming it's a niche 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 right. and she's like whatever it's fine it's one of those words same. anyway so the same language gala, you can gala. Get, yeah. gala. 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 Okay. No, no, I'm going to be all messed up. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the gala. We'll touch on how fun it is. Um, unfortunately, tickets are sold out, right? But if you are listening at the end of it, we'll talk about how you can get involved, how you can find it. And in the episode notes, we will have everything like the Instagram page for the foundation and ways you can get involved and donate and follow the progress and, you know, find other links to tie. But so we'll get to that at the end. So don't worry about like writing anything down, but why don't you just tell us, so we've talked about what the foundation serves, but the gala is the 
big fundraiser for that. And it's super fun yeah. and I'm flowers. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. We are going to have, we're going to, we're going to party with a purpose, if you will. So for years and years, I've thought about having a, you know, a fundraiser gala, you know, party. And, you know, when Calder passed, it was finally like, okay, like we got to stop messing around and stop, stop living small, right? You know, if you're going to do it, live big. And so last year was our first gala. It was in Brookings and we kind of did it on a pretty short timeline. Uh, we made the right move of getting professional party planners and, you know, doing, you know, it was kind of shooting the moon, trying to do it at like very high level. And uh, we had a lot of businesses and individuals raise their hand immediately and say, yep, we, you know, we know you've been out here for a decade trying to do what you do. We know you, we know your story. And so we actually had almost 600 people come to Brookings last year. And um, we had a net, a net proceeds raise of $225,000 for our causes, you know, which allows us to give $2,500 $2,500 scholarships to as many kids apply, you know, in the survivor program, you know, we gave $25,000 to our missionary family. We walked into the Make-A-Wish office last April and surprised them with a $100,000 check. You know, it allows us to, you know, do what we want in the future to expand our, our footprint. So this year is our second annual uh, gala. We actually had to move it to Sioux Falls because we outgrew Brookings. Um, but we did, uh, we did close. Not, not in our hearts, not in our hearts. We're, we're no, never going to no. grow bookings in our hearts, but. <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was hard because last year we literally had buses to take us to Ray's Corner. You know, it was, there was an SCSU football game that day, but then you had like, if there was almost 600 people at the gala, like 250 or 300 of them went to Ray's at 11, 1130. So the other. Those that other- are. To those that don't know, if you didn't go to college with us, that was our, uh, that was our place. That was our cheers, I guess, still is. Yeah, whatever, but. Yeah, but we were all dressed, like, formal. It, we looked good. We looked good for midnight. <laughs> there was, like, like I said, a couple hundred people in, in full-out tuxedos and black tie and formal gowns that took over Ray's out of nowhere, and, and the rest of the regulars were like, what is going on? If 2011 Ty could have seen that when you first started the Ty Eschenbaum Foundation, probably uh, probably would have been a little surprised. Crazy. So uh, we're in Sioux Falls this year, um, just because uh, you know it's it's uh, not even two weeks away, December second. So we had to close ticket sales last week to get all our food counts and whatever. Um, actually, ended right at 850 people. So uh, a couple 250 people more than we had last year. And it's just going to be, you know, we, we do a prime rib dinner, appetizers beforehand. And we do a social hour. We do dueling pianos. We do a red carpet walk. We got professional photographers, videographers. We got a photo booth. Uh, we got a sweet treat station, hot chocolate station. We got multiple places for backdrops for people to take pictures the night of. I think everyone learned last year that you can't have too fancy of a dress. If there's a dress that you can't wear anywhere else, you can wear it to the gala. And you got a lot of guys that are renting tuxedos or buying tuxedos or buying black suits and bow ties. Um, they don't have to be there. There's, there's a lot of, fan, there's a lot of fancy cowboys coming too with yeah, their cowboys, jeans uh, and blazers and 20%. going to be and, some Stetsons and, and... <laughs> 
Yep. You won't feel, uh, nobody feels out of place. Uh, it's just, you can take it any direction you want, but, uh, it, it did surprise me how many people were, you know, really got behind and had a lot of fun with being able to dress up. So I'm looking forward to seeing all the outfits this year. So let's talk about, um, one thing we didn't cover yet. Like who's on, I mean, you kind of referenced that literally any kid with cancer for the most part that applies probably going to get, you know, South Dakota kids with cancer or who, who makes the decision? Who's on the board? How did you come up with that? Just yeah, tell us so, more about the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the foundation itself, uh, is a full-fledged 501c3. So any donations and, and things we have going on are, you know, tax deductible, uh, as they would with any nonprofit. Uh, my board of directors is made up of five people. Um, my mother, Jody Eschenbaum, representing the Eschenbaum family and Calder's, um, really Calder's funds. Um, Autumn's mother, uh, Sandy Youngworth, uh, representing the Youngworth family and uh, Autumn's funds. And then three good friends, Kevin Moe, Ryan Eichler, and Kevin Paulson, uh, all on the board for different reasons, but very sharp individuals with finance and nonprofit and setup and ideas and 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 networks. Um, so, you know, it's it's evolving like any good business or nonprofit is. So we are rolling with the punches. We've got, like I said, we got our three pillars that are pretty clear. Um, there's so many great things we could do. We're trying to make sure that we keep it narrow enough that people can, you know, we're not an inch deep and a mile wide. You know, we're fully committed to these causes. Um, so um, just the way we do an application process, the way we, you know, rate our uh, scholarships, uh, you know, make wish is pretty clear. I mean, we just, you know, just they match us up with with kids um, when we donate the funds. And then missionary work will probably be the one where we're having the most conversations about how do we use the best of our funds to maximize our impact and in a way that our donors, you know, agree with and can get behind. So, yeah, we try to keep a lot of it local. We've been committed to the state of South Dakota. It'd be nice to jump the border sometime just because we do have so many friends and connections and needs, you know, with Minnesota and Iowa and Nebraska. But um, sometimes you got to draw tough lines. Yeah, um, but- well- And I think, you know, when you say it about, you know, Calder's pillar and, you know, just trying to make sure that it stays in line with, you know, what everyone is thinking. But at the same time, sometimes what something could be, if you're so strict on what it's supposed to be, you missed out on what it could evolve into. And so, I don't know, I think that's something that I think it'll be just as fun to find out like, hmm, wonder where this part is going to go in five years or what that's going to look like. Cause I think the create, the opportunities will just kind of start presenting themselves and. And they do. I, you know, um, again, we try to keep, we try to keep God at the front forefront of all that we do. And I've just learned that if I have, you know, when I started my foundation, when we decided on youth cancer survivors after autumn passed away, like what her pillar is and call her past what his pillar is. Um, you know, if I had an idea, if I just didn't rush it, right. If I just, just sat with it, you know, prayed about it, let time pass, let other people think, you know, get some input from some other people, whether I agreed with it or not. And I don't always, eventually it just kind of has its way of working itself out. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, like this, we know that this is exactly where we're supposed to be. And I think we just let it sort itself out. Yeah. So 
Why don't you tell us a little bit about your speaking and you know just things like that? People can get a hold of you, you know, if they want you to come and share your message or you know what what your message usually is and that type of thing. Yeah. So, like I said, I've always done speaking engagements. I, I want to make sure I word this correctly. It's not something that I really am out trying to do. So I'm not. I don't market it, and I don't. But when I get asked, when people find out, or I get asked, like. My model has always been like, if I get asked, I'm, I know that if I can physically make it, if my schedule allows, whatever, like I'm, I'm supposed to go, I'm supposed to go there and share. I think it's tough sometimes because, you know, I have a full-time job and a full-time life and the foundation could be a full-time job. And uh, between the gala planning, and we actually started a, a fishing and walleye tournament and a two-day fundraiser, uh, Lake Ponset here in South Dakota. This year was our first annual of that. So two big events throughout the year. It does get to be a lot. So maybe someday when I retire, I'll try to get more in the speaking circuit. But I, I take them as I come. If I can do it, I say yes. You know, it's typically just, it's just my story. You know, I'm not trying to be, uh, you and I talked about this before we jumped on here. Like, I'm not trying to be a hero. Uh, it's not a look at me. It's a, I'm just a, I'm just a guy and this is my life and this is what happened to me and God gave me the ability to speak about it and it doesn't bother me to speak about it. And I just found that it really connects with people. So it's, it's really just my testimony, but it's what I believe and what I've known, you know, what I believe to be true after all my years of, of on this planet of just life and purpose and perspective and attitude and, you know, how we're supposed to live. And some people, and I share this during my speeches, like I, I happen to have a platform, right? And I have the ability to speak and I, it doesn't bother me to have a microphone in my hand. But a lot of people that I, the, the inspiration that I've gotten from people growing up is people that don't do public speaking, that don't try to platform. I just watch them live their life, right? And their daily encounters and how they treat people and whatever. So I just try to remind people that I'm not, I'm not special. I'm just responding to the things that happen to me and using the gifts that I have and everybody has their own gifts that they can share in their own way. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that when Josh first passed away and people are like, just give it time, it'll get easier with time. And if there's one thing I have learned is time doesn't do shit. <laughs> it's intention. It's every day. Like you think we want to wake up and okay, like it's another day. Like, I mean, literally there are days when I just sit on the edge of my bed. I'm like, all right, start over. Like, let's redo this. Like I woke up crabby and all right. Like it's, it's a, it's a choice, but it, it gets easier. And I, I agree. yeah, it just, I don't think the weight of what, and, and I think every, obviously everybody goes through something, right. And if you're going to compare it to this, to that, to this or whatever, like we all have our own scale. We all have our own, you know, just because it's not the same as what we've gone through doesn't mean it's easier or harder or whatever. It's just, it's there. And we all carry the weight of something and it gets lighter. It doesn't get lighter. We just get better at carrying it. Yeah. So a couple comments there. Yeah. Number one, um, I've learned that I'll, I'll never compare with anybody like you heard my story of who I've lost. Um, somebody could lose their pet dog and I will never say, well, I, yeah, I can, I, I understand. You know, I know what you're going through. 
it doesn't matter who they lost or what what I think they should be feeling like like you said people um you know they're connected differently they they and they really you know they have the ability to handle things differently you know there's some people that have never had a major challenge in their life so when they do lose a but again I don't want to whatever right a 95 year old grandparent that lived a full life and they passed peacefully um mm-hmm. it's just like like the end of the world uh, for them and I don't I, that's not a judgment I'm not trying to talk down anybody I'm just saying like I will never say well I know what you're going through because I lost somebody because I've had people say that to me and it pisses me off every time uh no matter what their story is and um yeah definitely one lesson and to your point I've told people that all the time. Like, I don't think it gets easier at all. Uh, I think the day that you lose somebody, God says, here's a 50 pound cinder block that you can barely lift and you have to carry this for the rest of your life. And that cinder block never weighs 40, 30, 20 pounds. It always weighs 50 pounds. But the way you carry it, the way you hold it, the way you let somebody else let you carry it at times, it's always a 50 pound cinder block. Yeah, well... We'll put everything in the episode notes, how they can find you, but it's Instagram at Ty Eschenbaum Foundation. If you want to learn more about the foundation, sorry, you cannot come and party with us on December 2nd. If you are not signed up, there is no room in the inn. Um, yes. You can still make a donation. You can still, you know, watch the causes, get, come, come to the fishing tournament yeah. next year. Come. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. Yeah, if uh, if people are interested, um, it's going to be an annual thing. We hope to grow it. Um, the rooms that we have at the Premier Center in Sioux Falls, we could actually grow it to almost two thousand people. So there's really not a room cap. It's just a time time cap, you know, for this year. Um, just so we can get our planning done. But uh, we'll first Saturday in December. We'll do all. We'll do it again in Sioux Falls next year. As far as this year, um, yeah. If you find us, earnthegiftgala.com is one way to find my website and there's um silent auction live auction there'll be 50 some silent auction items those will actually go live uh full like next this weekend or, or at least by next monday so almost a full week before the gala you don't have to attend the gala you can bid on these things uh, wherever you are so yeah there's other ways to get involved all right well thank you so much Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. Flowers, flowers, we love flowers. Sunny Mary Meadow, they smell so good. Sunny Mary Meadow dot com